Welcome to the daily podcast here at Trinity. My name is Chris McDaniel, and we're glad to have you join us here on this Monday morning. I'm going to read a portion from Psalm 56 and then pray, and then we're just going to spend a little bit of time here together thinking about the Bible. The psalmist writes, You have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will retreat on the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I am not afraid. What can a mere mortal do to me? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray, and then we'll try to think some true and deep thoughts about this passage. God, we ask you today to give us grace to be present, uh, to think true thoughts about the Bible. Pray that you would help us uh, to make sense of our world uh, and to make sense of what's going on inside each and every one of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I chose this passage from our daily office readings because this is actually one of the most comforting passages or images in the Bible, specifically as it relates to God's disposition toward my grief, our grief and sorrow. And so I chose it today because I love the idea that God keeps count of my tossing on my bed. Uh, You know that... um, fitful sleep when something's weighing heavy on your mind or your heart, and that he also keeps our tears. Uh, Essentially, God keeps a record of the things that trouble us. There's something so powerful about that because a lot of us, I think, uh, have a picture of God where he is uh, aloof from the things that vex us or trouble us, and yet here we're told right in the middle of the Hebrew Bible that God actually is not far from our pain, but he actually comes close to it. He actually accounts for it. And so I think that begs the question here for our consideration, well, what kinds of things do trouble us? And and the first thing that comes to my mind is probably the most obvious, the, the cares and concerns that impact us directly. These are the first things that we notice when it comes to trouble. So our family, our friends, questions about our jobs, Uh, our bank account levels, our health. Uh, These are often the first things that cause us to toss in our beds and to shed tears. And I just love the fact that God knows this about us and he invites us to uh, become aware that he listens and takes account when we're stressed by the things that affect us. Um, Jesus himself actually asks us to ask him for daily bread, to ask him to provide the necessities of life. You know, those things that are quite essential to your immediate well-being, your food, uh, shelter, uh, intimate relationships. And so I just want to say this at the outset before we, we move on here in this conversation. Beware of anyone who tells you that God doesn't care about the immediate things of your life. Um, don't listen to any pastor or Christian or thinker who would say, you only need to care about things far away from you. You shouldn't care about your own personal needs being met. Um, God doesn't say that to us. Uh, God actually does care about your life. He cares and he actually wants you and me to bring the cares of our life, those immediate things to him so that we would learn to carry them with less a sense of crushing weight. Uh, My mind goes to Jesus Uh, His words in the Gospel of Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount where he says, don't worry about what you will eat or what you'll wear. Uh, God knows that you need these things. He he knows. But we all acknowledge that those immediate concerns of our lives are not the only things that we should 
care about. They're not the only things that cause us to toss in our beds or uh, to shed tears. At least they shouldn't be. If you only ever care about these immediate things, uh, you're not living a fully orbed life. Now, if you never care about your immediate needs, you're missing something really important. So let's think about what else causes us to toss and to shed tears. I believe that we should all allow the concerns and troubles in the wider body of Christ and the family of those who name themselves Christian, that these things should be uh, impacting us. Uh, Jesus used imagery of a, of a body when he described the connection that Christians share with one another. And so the truth of the matter is our body, the wider body of Christ, um, those we're integrated, we're connected to one another. So if you hit your toes, your eyes will water because there's a sense of interconnectedness. Uh, the, the writer says so powerfully that it does us no good to um, pretend that we don't belong to one another, that one part of the body can't say to another, I don't need you, or worse, one part can't say to itself, I'm useless, I'm unimportant, therefore not needed. Uh, we, as the body of Christ, are in this thing together. And I believe that there's an invitation for us to learn how to grieve when one part of our family hurts. And so when you come across other Christians who are enduring difficulty, you should weep with them as they weep because you are a part of the same family, the same body. We have to learn how to grieve when one part of our Christian family hurts. That's why we tend to mention at Trinity when persecution flares up in the world. We call your attention to it and we say, mourn with those who mourn because you're a part of the family of God. I believe that we have to move beyond the concerns that just impact us um, on a personal immediate level and make room for grief concerning concerns that impact the body of Christ. But it, it has to go even further than that. Uh, so not only do we need to grieve the things that are immediate to us and then secondly grieve um, the pain in the body of Christ. I believe that we have to also allow the concerns and troubles in the wider world to impact us. Uh, one of the great dangers I think that faces Christians is this uh, threat to try to um, attempt to insulate yourself from painful things. Um, we're not supposed to be overwhelmed and overcome by the pain of the world, but we are needing, I think, and being invited by God to look at the pain of the wider world, even in the people who may or may not be Christian and say, God help us. I think in this sense, the current pandemic that we're facing is a real invitation from God. Um, what does it mean for us to care about people? Not, not just Christians, not just ourselves, but just the world around us. How are my decisions, my choices impacting other people? Uh, social distancing, making wise, responsible decisions about how you're going to interact with people socially is in fact a choice that you make for the sake of other people, Christian or otherwise. So why should I care for others? Why should I impact my, my own choices? Because God takes note of it when I do. It's intrinsically right and good for you to live and care uh, about other people, to, to make decisions for the sake of others. And it also is important for us to allow the pain of what other people are facing and experiencing to land in our hearts in a way that actually does burden us, that causes us to toss or to grieve, to weep. These hurts uh, are in God's record book. Additionally, the murder of Ahmad Avery is another invitation for Christians like you and me to bear grief before a God who listens and records pain. God wants you to be burdened. We should be distressed by the murder of Ahmad Avery. It should toss you in your bed. It should cause you to shed tears. 
when I'm in a defensive posture toward hurt and suffering, I don't allow myself to engage it as a, as a fully orb human. Imagine what it would have been like for you to see this act of violence firsthand. Probably would be more immediate, would it not? Rather than just read it about it or hear somebody wax philosophically about it, if you had seen this, if you had been there, you probably would have a different opinion about the way that it landed in your own soul. It happens that um, Ahmad Avery was actually murdered in the front yard of a dear friend of mine in Brunswick, Georgia. I was a young couple. They were at home with their baby. They came out of their house and were with a man as he lay dying in their driveway. And this couple spoke out on behalf of Avery um, to, to challenge a small town not to just take sides without knowing what had actually happened, to not allow it to just become uh, a white people bonding together and suspecting that a black guy probably was doing something wrong or up to no good. They grieved with his family. And I just want to say to you, opening yourself up to grief is inconvenient. Um, acknowledging that things do toss you on your bed and cause you to shed tears and allowing yourself to actually experience those things, this is not convenient. It's, it's actually the opposite. Uh, to be burdened is to be inconvenienced. And I believe that one of the great invitations in front of each and every one of us is an invitation to grieve over a world that isn't as it should be. To grieve over a world where an unarmed black man can be murdered by two white men and then those two men remain free for months. But we should also learn how to grieve with the world as it hurts. So it's not just for a tragic loss or for the fact that COVID-19 is a thing that's moving through our world, but to actually find instances where we humanize situations and grieve with people. See, if I just grieve for something that's happening to you, it's not the same as if I identify with you and say, I am sitting with you. Nicholas Valderstorff in his book, uh, A Lament for a Son, wrote about the tragic death of his 16-year-old son, and he said, if you sit far from me in my grief, you're of no help. Over there, he said, you're of no help. But if you come and sit near me on my morning bench, you are with me. And I believe that one of the great gifts for you and me uh, to open during this period of time is uh, further work on what does it mean for me to grieve with. As the world tosses and weeps, as other Christians toss and weep, how do I identify with them? See, at the end of the day, a passage like this, I think, is an invitation for you and me to welcome grief and pain because ultimately we're standing in a place of security. See, I'm able to grieve if I know that ultimately I'm secure. Here's how the passage ends. In God I trust, I am not afraid. What can a mere mortal do to me? See, actually, a mere mortal can do a lot to you. Um, mere mortals actually gun down Ahmad Avery. But a mere mortal cannot take away the dignity of the fact that you, if you're Christian listening to my voice right now, are a child of God. And that's where our confidence rests. See, if we believe and live as if it's true that we're ultimately safe in God's hands, then we're able to grieve more honestly about our own losses and the losses of other people and come alongside the griefs of the world without being overcome by the weight. See, because God bears the weight for us. I was thinking about our... Love Your Neighbor initiative. 
Uh, we set out to raise $250,000 and ultimately raised $450,000, money given by people like you. Because we want to get outside ourselves. We want to actually remember that we belong. We want to meet needs, not be overcome by needs, but actually engage them from a place of security and safety. And I believe that's the call of God on Trinity, but I also believe with all my heart that's the call of God on you and on me as individuals. So may we lean into it. May we give God access, knowing that he listens and actually records the pain of our hearts, and he can do something about it. God bless you. Go in peace. We'll see you when we see you.